Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. You know, last night was supposed to mark the arrival of the Browns. Instead, it ended up marking the re-arrival of the Ravens. Baltimore, remember, at this time last year, had the erstwhile MVP, was running away to the best record in the NFL, and they bested the Browns last night in a Monday night football instant classic. And that's where we're going to begin with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line will head to Cleveland in 40 minutes, boots on the ground to see what the story is there this morning after they were setting up for such a great momentous night, trying to get to that elusive 10-win mark for the first time since 2007, creep closer to ending the NFL's longest playoff drought. But this morning, Key, I want to quickly start, even though there is so much talk about the Browns, I want to start with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson coming out of the locker room and reminding us, cramp or no cramp, crimping the Browns style, that he is a game changer for the ages. I started cramping on the field. Like, the two passes I throw, like right before those two passes I throw to Willie and Mark, the overthrows, I was cramping my my throwing and I'm telling the coach, I'm like, man, I need to get some salt in my system real quick. And, you know, we run the ball. I'm on the sideline. We end up catching, end up catching the pick on my interception. We go down and score. And right after that, I get a ball to JK, and my legs just start cramping. And I'm like, bro, like, I need something now like, to help me get better real quick because this, this is a, a crucial game right here. You know, both teams be playing their hearts up. And we went to the back. You didn't have to use the bathroom or anything in the back, right? You know, there's a lot of talk on social media that – you were kind of like jogging, like you had to use the bathroom or something. No, I was cramping. I ain't putting a Paul Pierce. I didn't put a Paul Pierce. I, I was cramping. He no wheelchair. We saw it last night. Got out there and returned under his own power. <laughs> oh. Key, I'm sure you'd love that considering that wheelchair moment, of course, came against your Lakers. But what did you make of that amazing moment? The Ravens right back in the thick of the playoff chase. They're in the eighth spot on the outside looking in. But with the momentum they have and an easy opponent on the way Sunday, perhaps a chance for a little momentum. I think it's great. Uh, you know, when, whenever you see a guy like this, do the things that he's capable of doing, going in, needing to get what he needed to get to get back out on the field. You know, when you start cramping, you know, there's all sorts of different concoctions and remedies that people do, whether it's pickle juice, whether it's Pedialyte, all sorts of things. So he goes in the locker room, he gets that. He knows that his team desperately needs him no matter what the situation is. He goes right back out there and he gets the job done. How could you... You know, he couldn't have written this any better, right? I mean, this is Monday Night Football, you know, in the same draft class as Baker Mayfield, two former Heisman Trophy candidates going up, or winners going up against each other. It's just amazing to see that he's able to come out there and deliver the football in sync the the way that he was able to do it. Now, throwing the ball back against the grain, I didn't necessarily like that, but he he completed a great pass against Hollywood Brown. I mean, with Hollywood Brown against the Cleveland Browns, so... You can't complain about what he was able to do. This is why this young man was the former MVP in the National Football League, and there's so much conversation swirling around whether or not he's a franchise quarterback. You do it in different ways. He's a franchise quarterback. You just do it in different ways. Zubin, I know we're going to have four hours to talk about football. We're going to be breaking down why Lamar Jackson reminded us of being the former MVP how Baker Mayfield electrified his team, even though after throwing the turnover, leading them down, leading them in the comeback, being down 14 points. But I got to tell you, brother, I rode with the Browns last night. I got in late. 
I got him plus 3.5. And I got to tell you, the lateral passes at the end of the game and the safety by Jarvis Landry, I took my phone essentially and almost threw it at the wall. I have a backup phone. That's how I felt last night after I lost a lot of money. I'm just going to say it to you. I'm really mad. I have to vent my frustration to the American people because I feel like a lot of people were in the same boat that I was in last night. And I know Key's going to tell me, well, that's why you don't bet. Don't do things like that. I'm just saying I, I had it. I had it. And the lateral passes to the safety broke my spirit last night. That's all I'm going to say. Let's get back to football. Sorry. I don't think they. I don't think they were playing the game based on your. I don't really care what you have to say right now, Keyshawn. I don't really care, Joseph. What nature. you have to say, Joseph? It doesn't help me right now. Well, Lay that's out. not my. Don't bet. That's on you. There you go. It was. Ruben, a, it was I love the sweater a, this morning. It was I a great it. Monday night game, one that we hadn't seen in a very, very long time. And I think what I take away from this is the Cleveland Browns are still in it. They 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 should build on this. You know, I've been in situations when I was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. It felt like every single time that we took the field against the Eagles, we were losing. And eventually we got over the hump in the playoffs and the NFC Championship game. We went on and won the Super Bowl the next year. We went back to Philadelphia opening day and we kicked the you-know-what out of them. So I think Cleveland is headed in the right direction. You know, there's no such thing as moral victories. At least I don't believe in moral victories, but – from a outsider looking in, there's a lot of positive signs to take away from this in that 47-42 thriller on a Monday night football game. Uh, it's it just, you know, I take a lot away from it from a positive standpoint. I really do. I'm with you, Keith. I was going to say something real quick back to football. Look, it was the game of the year. Last night was the game of the year. Prime time like that. To see it come back, to see Lamar Jackson pull a Willis Reed, essentially come back onto the field. Uh, lead them back into this game to win this game down the stretch of a field goal, 55-yard field goal. Um, it speaks volumes about this game. Lamar Jackson saved the season for the Ravens. Saved the season. And it goes to show you how special of a talent he is having him on the field. There's no doubt about it. About 50 years ago, as Jay referenced, Willis Reed saved the Knicks season, their championship season, by limping back out there. And a half century later, the Paul Pierce weren't. did the same thing. Saved Boston Celtics season. <laughs> You're right about that. Wheelchair aided or not. We're asking on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed this morning, which team would you fear more in a playoff game? I know the sample size is small and we're always reacting to what we just saw, but take a deep breath. Is it the Ravens or the Browns? Be a part of the Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football is back, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to a nice cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Quickly on the schedule front, I mentioned it's a little bit. It's not quite a bye week for the Ravens, but they do have a short week in Jacksonville, which I guess does qualify somewhat of a bye week. The Jags have lost 12 in a row, and with everything going on with the Ravens with COVID, it's a good opportunity to sort of maybe get things in order and reset against one of the NFL's worst teams. Meanwhile, the Browns, this is so 2020, the Cowboys have been flexed out of 2020's Sunday night game for the Browns, and the Browns will take on the Giants. Short week, big stage for Cleveland again. We'll see if this time they can come through with America watching on a Sunday night as opposed to last night. Key real quick, I'm not going to cast aspersions on either team's defense when one scored 47 and one scored 42, but I know you have some concerns about Cleveland's D yeah you know just when you start to look at the matchups that they could face 
down the line in the playoffs if they get in the playoffs, which I think they will based on the, the remaining schedule and the way things are shaken out in the AFC. But when you start looking at the prize, you got to look at Kansas City. Can they hold up against an explosive offense like Kansas City? Can they punish again the Tennessee Titans and stop that power running game with Derrick Henry? Can they do those things second a second time around? Can they stop the Baltimore Ravens a potential third time around? So when you look at those sort of things, what happens in a resurgence of Phillip Rivers in the Indianapolis Colts when they come to town? I mean, it's just all of those sort of things you have to look at when you start talking about playoff contenders, playoff time, because we're at the end of the season now. We're looking ahead now. We're not looking back in the rearview mirror as to what could have been. It's what's going to be. There's no doubt. And the last thing I would just say, think about the adversity for the Ravens in this standpoint. When you're watching the final drive of the game, the final moments of the game, you think about the fact that Lamar Jackson, who missed a game Mm. due to COVID, who's he looking to in the biggest of moments? Mark Andrews, who missed two games due to COVID. It has been an unbelievable three or four weeks from the Ravens. They bounced back. They hadn't won a game in more than a month. Then they get the Cowboys on a Tuesday. Then they play again on a Monday and clip the Browns and sweep this season series. We'll talk about the game so much more throughout the course of the morning. As Jay said, it was an instant classic on Monday night football. And for Jay, unfortunately, if you care about some numbers other than the final score, it may have not been an instant classic for you. On the way, what changed in a span of just three hours for one NFL head coach that could change the trajectory of his team's season? Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Some people would say the Eagles have a quarterback problem. Others would say the Eagles have a quarterback solution. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin were presented by Progressive Insurance. It was quite a Monday in Philadelphia after a spark of a Sunday. It's Doug Peterson's own word. We needed somebody to give us a spark. Jalen Hurts provided that in a huge, shocking win over the New Orleans Saints to end their nine-game winning streak. And next up for the Birds, it'll be another pair of birds, the Cardinals Sunday in the desert. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Let's get straight to Doug Peterson. He was asked this question Monday morning on Sports Radio 94 WIP just hours after Hurts saved the Eagles season. Will he start Sunday in Arizona? You know, I'm going to take a look at yesterday. I'm, I'm going to look at a lot of different things um, before I make that uh, determination this week. 
Now, saving the season is a relative term, but he did certainly turn the tide. What turned the tide for Doug Peterson after being so noncommittal? Three hours after making the statement you just heard, he said this. After going through the film and and really um, looking back even to last week and, and, and the preparation and everything, um, I'm going to, I'm going to continue with Jalen, uh, this week, uh, as, as the starter, there's no issue with Carson and I, I you know, I, I look at maybe, maybe what, what I do or how I call a game. Maybe I can approach it a little bit differently, you know, uh, moving forward that way. We're, listen, teams have a lot of film on your starter. They have ways to prepare for your starter and, and, um, you know, uh, they can, they can take away certain things and, and we, we've got to be able to, you know, compensate for that. And, but, uh, there, there's been no, there's been no issue between us. So if you're watching SportsCenter yesterday and you saw this, this wouldn't qualify as breaking news. I think it would qualify as obvious news. So, Jay, um, why did uh, Doug Peterson essentially have to even go out there a second time? Why do you think after hearing both of those comments, he just couldn't have saved us all the trouble and just said it Monday morning since we all knew it was a fait accompli? We all knew it was going to be Jalen Hurts. Well, because he had to watch the tape, Zubin. <laughs> he had to watch the tape to make the <laughs> ultimate decision about how Jalen Hurts played. Look, I, I just... We all knew it was obvious, and I know Key's going to sit up here and say, the coaches doesn't have to give you anything. He doesn't need to say anything. Then why did he give us something three hours after he just said he didn't make a decision? Like, if you're going to say it's due to scheming, then why not wait until Wednesday or Thursday to make those comments? It's my only thing about saying it feels like Doug Peterson, and he said it during that because I listened to the entire transcript. He said, I was thinking of Carson. It still feels like Doug Peterson is thinking about how do I need to properly articulate what is going to happen with this team so I don't lose Carson Wentz instead of going in the other direction, which is how do I give Jalen Hurts as much confidence as possible moving forward after a significant win? Now, you don't have to break down Carson or belittle Carson in order to raise Jalen Hurts up. You can do both at the same time. I just don't understand why you wait two and a half hours and then all of a sudden you come to an ultimate conclusion that, hey, yeah, by the way, Jalen Hurts is our starter after going back and reviewing the tape and understanding how significant of a game he had against the number one defense in the NFL. Key, are you speechless for the first time in your life? I don't know if you've been in the studio too long by yourself though Zubin with that comment but <laughs> anyway um no I was I just I was waiting for you to re me but I thought you were going to re me back up but anyway this is what I would say you know you're a coach you want to assess what goes on I understand we saw it from the television standpoint they saw it from the sidelines the teammates rallied around it but from a coaching standpoint and a coaching uh um your assistants and all of them, you guys got to get back in. You got to look at the film. You got to see the things that you did right, the things that you did wrong, your opponent, watch a little clip on the opponent, see what makes the most sense, and just take your time doing it. There's no rush to do it. What, what's the – what? you're off today. What's the rush? Tuesday is your off day. So, okay, I named him the starter three hours later. Whippy, big deal. I could have did it – I could have did it immediately after the game or I could do it – Wednesday morning doing my presser before practice. It doesn't matter. It only matters to people that are so fixated on what's going to happen. Oh, my God. He's got he's to give him his due. He's got to extend an olive branch to him. Don't worry about fracturing Carson Wentz. It's not fracturing Carson Wentz. It's the respect of trying to figure out how to make sure that the quarterback room stays a certain way 
just in case you have to go back to Carson Wentz. And I think that's what Coach was doing there, and I have no problem with it at all. We all knew that Jalen Hurts was going to eventually become the starter for the second week in a row. Not guess, that big of a deal. I guess, Key, though, if you, if, you know, from a football insider expert perspective, you watching that game, I know, I know that you're not a coach, but you watching that game, did you conclude after that game that Jalen Hurts was not significant in that game? Was there any doubt in your mind that you thought, no, hey, nothing, after this game, I may have to, to go back to nothing, Carson Wentz? Nothing at all suggested that, Jay, but I also understand how coaches do things. If you would have asked me immediately after the game, what would have happened? I could have got the manual. I would have turned to page 250 and said, don't answer this question. Wait 24 hours, cool down period, before I answer a question about quarterback starting. No one does that. They don't do it. Think about it. Sean Payton waited forever to make a decision on Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. That's just what they do. That's just what they do, period. I don't know. I never I never heard Sean Payton talk about after Taysom Hill won a game saying, hey, well, you know, still question about Jameis Winston. Will he play? Like, it didn't go back and forth. All I'm saying, it, it feels like this is one of those scenarios. But that question wasn't raised to Sean after Taysom Hill's first victory. No one came at him and said, is it Jameis Winston? Because Jameis Winston is not making $130 million and $107 million of guaranteed money. So that question never was posed to Sean. It just feels like it's one of those scenarios for Jalen Hurts that he has to actually go take this thing that Doug Peterson doesn't want to give it to him, that he needs to go take it, which he had a mentality you have to do anyway. That's no surprise. But it just feels like he has to go against not only the teams he's playing against per weekend, but he also has to go against a head coach who doesn't necessarily believe that he has what it takes to energize the team and sustain it. See, see, I wouldn't say that, though. I, I don't think that that's the case with Doug Peterson at all. I really don't. I think Doug Peterson wants to pay, play uh, Jalen Hurts because he knows he gives him the best chance to win. He's just doing it the way that he was taught how to do it as a head coach coming under Andy Reid's and those type of guys. I just That's how I see it. I hear you. Drafted in round two for the moment, QB1. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. On the way, how the Browns and Ravens combined yesterday to do something the NFL hasn't seen in 98 98- Years. That's next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e bike yet? You need to check out Electric e bikes today, the number one selling e bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again. By visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. That's why you have one of the best kickers in NFL history to seal the deal. A Hollywood ending, so to speak, for Brown and company. Anything but for the Browns. Let's go there. Aaron Goldhammer, the host of the Really Big Show on ESPN 850 in Cleveland. Aaron, what a difference 92 days makes. You get waxed in week one by Baltimore 38-6. You go down to the wire in the final seconds last night. I'm assuming there's no such thing as moral victories when you're trying to turn the tide of a franchise. What's the feeling in Cleveland this morning after that gut punch last night? Well, look, I only want to speak for myself because we got into a heated debate on our post-game show about this last night. We posted a poll on Twitter at ESPN Cleveland. 50% of fans said there was such a thing as a moral victory, and 50% of fans said no. But the way I felt, look, you're never going to be happy after you lose a game like that. But for the Browns, who has wanted to play in a game like that for 20 years, to be going toe-to-toe with the MVP on Monday Night Football as your heart is about to jump out of your chest in a wild back-and-forth affair where you score 22 points in the fourth quarter and they kick a 55-yard field goal to beat you, that's the kind of pain you want as a sports fan. It didn't knock them out of the playoffs. You know, it didn't end their season. It's not like we'll never see the Browns play again. They, they play in six days on, on Sunday night football in primetime again. So while I understand why no one's going to be happy in Cleveland today, I think that everyone should feel proud of how far the Browns have come. Exactly. Goldie, what's your confidence level in the team right now? Sky high. I think that they are one of the four best teams in the AFC. Uh, I think Baltimore's really good when they're right. You know, they went through this wild outbreak, really scary with COVID, losing guys, and, and they just weren't right for a while. And I think they're kind of coming back together now. But, you know, as long as Baker Mayfield is playing the way he played last night, bringing you back from a two-touchdown deficit in the fourth quarter against a team that went 14-2 and two last year, um, I think the Browns, you know, have the offense. They can score enough points to really hang with anybody. They're not a flawless team. I mean, the, the back half of that defense is bad to begin with and banged up. It's a bad combination of bad and injured right now. Uh, so they've got some holes and they've got some things in the offseason that they need to fix. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, uh, but I think they're a team that could win a playoff game or two. Aaron Goldhammer, host of the really big show on ESPN 850 Cleveland, is joining us on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin this morning. What, Baker Mayfield went out there and performed at an all-time high, in my opinion. What do you think the Browns are saying this morning as an organization about his performance, especially since they got to figure out what to do with him moving forward? Well, I think the last two weeks, Baker Mayfield has played the two best games of his career. So the arrow is pointing up for him. Uh, he made one costly mistake last night. He threw an interception deep in his own end that immediately led to a touchdown. But he bounced back from that. I thought that was the most important thing. He showed real mental toughness, and he made all the throws 
in that game last night that he needed to make. It just so happened that Baltimore had the ball last. Um, but a couple good weeks of play doesn't mean that you back up the Brinks truck and start shoveling Pat Mahomes-style cash into Baker and Emily Mayfield's garage. Hmm. Um, so I think the Browns are going to pick up the fifth-year option on Mayfield's contract headed into next season. Um, if they win a couple of playoff games, I mean, I, I think the door is open for a longer-term contract with him. Uh, but I think he'll definitely be the Browns quarterback now next year for sure. And then once they've seen him for two years in this offense, I think they'll have a better handle on exactly what they have. There are some days this year where Baker Mayfield has looked like a franchise quarterback, and, and he still has to beat Pittsburgh and Baltimore, though, before I think you can make him like the highest paid player in football or you really pay him the big money. So I don't think that's right around the corner, but I think that they're starting to feel more optimistic about whether or not they really have the guy. Aaron, a lot of people will be concerned today about the defense of the Browns giving up 47 points. Are you as concerned about the defense or is that more of an aberration because of the legs of Lamar Jackson and the fact that he is one of a kind in the NFL? I I mean, I'm concerned about the defense. The the Browns' defense is two players right now. It's Miles Garrett and it's Denzel Ward when he's healthy, uh, which hopefully he'll be back for this game Sunday night against the Giants because when he's out, it's really one guy. And they needed Miles Garrett to be Superman and make a superhuman play last night, and it, it didn't happen. That doesn't mean he's not a great player. It just means it didn't happen in this one game. Um, but the Browns' defense just is, isn't good. Like they, they just don't have enough at the linebacker and secondary positions. Their safeties are, you know, just not where they need to be to compete in this division. Um, that being said, like it's not like Baltimore played amazing defense in that game last night either. I mean, they, they gave up 42 points, and you know, it felt like in the in the second half they were giving up a touchdown on every drive too. So, you know, how many teams did the NFL guys even play defense in 2020? I mean, like three or four actually have a bona fide defense, um, and and so look, like it's not perfect, and the Browns know they have some improvements that they need to make there, but. It's good enough to get them to this point, and and the, the, because of those holes, they're not a Super Bowl contender. You know, they're 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 just they're probably not. They're, the, Lombardi is not visiting Cleveland, Ohio, in February of 2021. Um, but that doesn't mean that they haven't made incredible strides from a team that won four games in three years a couple of years ago. They've had two four game winning streaks this year. That's something to be proud of. And Aaron, we should just briefly mention here, you said it, and I totally agree, you got to win those litmus test games. You got to be great against Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Last night was great, but it stands to reason in week one, they got blown out by the Ravens. In week six, they got blown out by the Steelers. They'll see Pittsburgh again in week 17, but right now sit comfortably in fifth place, the top wild card squad with a nine and four record. Thanks for joining us this morning and waking up early after what had to be a passionate and visceral post-game show last night with all of Cleveland Nation listening. Thank you so much. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you, guys. All right, but 
And that really is the instructive point. He's right. You got to, you know, what did Ric Flair say? To be the man, you got to beat the man. And to this particular point, they have not been able to meet the men in their division. Again, blowout losses to Baltimore and Pittsburgh in a squeaker last night. Again, they'll see the Steelers again, but they got to feel comfortable about where they are and snapping the NFL's longest playoff drought, which goes back to 02. Right now, nobody. They are in the catbird seat in the wild card spot. Nobody's in front of them wild card wise. A bunch of teams looking up at them. Breathe, relax, short week, Giants on a Sunday night with a chance to do it in front of the country one more time. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's home quote explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. Com. Baker Mayfield said, no matter what, we entered the fourth quarter down 14 points. It was a 34-20 game. We never gave up. This is a fan base that has given up on their team, but they're not giving up on this group. Baker's not giving up on his group, and they thought they were in this thing to the very last second. We uh, never lost our belief in the fact that we had a chance to win that game, uh, even down two scores, just continuing to fight fight for each other uh, and like I said when is the team lose the team but you know I, I can't turn the ball over and put us in position you know where they have easy points from the one yard line you know that's that's not our defense's fault that's that's my fault we are presented by progressive insurance all of our guests on the shell Pennzoil performance line all right key so you heard hammer nation's opinion there Aaron essentially saying they'll pick up the fifth year option but in his words they're not going to back up the Brinks truck just Yet, So they're committing to him, but not saying, you know, I'd like to be engaged to you, but I'm not sure I want to marry you just yet. What do you make of Hammer's opinion? And do you concur they got to keep him, but not at a super exorbitant cost? Look, here's here's what I would say. I I think that that's the the right way to approach it. Uh, Andrew Berry, the general manager, certainly knows the, the numbers that's out there for the quarterbacks, whether you're a franchise quarterback or not. Um, it all depends on the organization. Now, you pick up the fifth-year option, uh, and I'm thinking the fifth-year option is somewhere in the $20 million range for him based on what the quarterback market is. Uh, you get to see what he's like. You see what he's like this year in 20, and in 21, midway through the year, that fifth-year option is sitting there. You make that decision on what that looks like. If you want to extend a long-term offer to him, then that's great. Um, I don't think Baker Mayfield will ever be in Aaron Rodgers economically in that same area as Rodgers, Mahomes, uh, Deshaun. But he certainly can fall into that area where it's slightly down from a Carson Wentz or Jared Goff type money. Um, You know, which is a lot of money still. I just don't think they will value him like that. Like you can't pay – a guy that you're asking to do the things that they're asking him to do, $40 million. It's just it, you, you really can't do that. But you can pay him, you can pay him, you know, uh, uh, less than Kirk Cousins, that sort of number, so to speak, that, that $25 to $28 million range because that's pretty much what certain quarterbacks are getting. But when you start getting over the $30 million number, you're starting to get into Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, that territory, and I don't necessarily know that Baker's there. Yeah, Key, I agree with you. I don't see Baker being the elite of the elite, um, but you can also win a Super Bowl not having an elite of the elite quarterback. And Baker Mayfield over the last two games is trending in the right direction. He's showing you that he can lead a team, that it could be efficient with the ball. 
I mean, you think about this five straight games, 187 straight passes without an interception until last night. They threw him, but he did bounce back after that. And I think one of the intangibles uh, that we really don't talk about because we always want to say, hey, he was the first pick in the draft. I wouldn't have taken him with the first pick in the draft. But every time I've spoken to a player on the Cleveland Browns, they always rave about how they love the way Baker leads, how he emotionally taps into all of them individually, and they have nothing bad to say about him. I think that has to account for something. I'm not saying that that warrants his, his price range to be even higher. I'm just sorry. There, there's, a, there's a value that comes along with players getting behind the leader of their team. They, they certainly love him. There's no question about it. I like him. It is nothing, you know, when, when a guy is part of the locker room and everybody feels him, you want to see him get paid. I just know how these general managers out there think. And when they're looking at a situation and they're saying to themselves, okay, we're not going to pay him that because we don't think he can get that on the open market. And, you know, they say to themselves, we could get a serviceable guy to do the same things that we're asking Baker to do and not have the financial burden on us, then you have to look at that. And I think the general manager, Andrew Barry, along with head coach Kevin Stefanski and the rest of the organization, when the time comes, they'll sit down, assess it, and try and figure out what the right number is for Baker. But I think he's a long-term play in Cleveland if the financial things work out to be the right, you know, the right number. He certainly you don't you certainly don't want to hit the reset button at the quarterback spot when you put so much time and invested so much energy in getting Baker Mayfield to the point that he's at right now. I think that's a great point, and you mentioned the long-term key. The long-term can only be laid when you have a great foundation. I'm going to give you just a few numbers to basically let it sink in. Baker Mayfield's only 25. He's less than five years into his pro career. Your best defensive player, arguably one of the best defensive players in all of football, top three for sure, Miles Garrett is 24. Your GM, Andrew Berry, who comes from a scouting background, and this is an organization that has just whiffed on so many players. He's just 33, and your head coach, Kevin Stefanski, who he's been raving about since since day one is clearly now the front runner for NFL coach of the year is 38. So you got two players in their mid twenties to anchor you on both sides of the football. Your GM is bright, young, diverse, and outside the box thinker. And your head coach is offensive minded in a league that right now is clearly trending offensively. Let's go from A to Z. And for me to Z is brought to you by Redbox. Redbox has new movies at the box hey. and streaming on demand. Don't miss Tenant, starring John David Washington, famous father, right? And Robert Pattinson. Visit Redbox.com for all the ways to watch. Jim Harbaugh telling recruits he is, quote, fellas, committed to Michigan. This is important because the early signing period, which is when all the top high school studs can sign with schools, begins tomorrow. Harbaugh and his boss, A.D. Ward Manuel, plan to talk about an extension for Jim at the conclusion of the regular season. Michigan plays Iowa Saturday, then they're done with the regular season. We should notice contract runs out at the end of next season. Here's Harbaugh. My plan is committed to Michigan. I am, uh, have been, am, and, and uh, you know, will remain. We'll sit down. Uh, Ward and I will talk at the end of the season on the current contract, and that's the, the truth. That's, uh, that's where it stands. 
All right, Key, I know you have been traveling on the 7-on-7 circuit. Your son played college football. You know a lot about recruiting. Uh, What do you make of this move in light of everything that's happened here with Harbaugh and his six-plus seasons on the job? Well, look, he he has a game this Saturday, like you mentioned, that he has to play and get over with and deal with. But the recruiting cycle starts tomorrow. And, you know, depending on how many guys they sign, really doesn't matter um, whether he's coming back or not. Because if he only has a small class in the early signing period, then if the deal doesn't get done, that's fine for the new head coach that comes in because he could push it off until early January signing period, which makes all the sense in the world because I'm sure Harbaugh's conversations is such that he's coming back, but the guys that are recruiting against him says, yeah, he's coming back for one year, and then he's going to get fired. And I would quickly mention that tonight Iowa could find themselves in the top 15 of the college football playoff rankings when the new show comes out this evening. If that's the case, it's small solace, but Harbaugh can say, hey, if we win – I'm ending the season with a win over a top 15 team. They need a little bit of momentum. Perhaps it would be provided Saturday night. That game will be on ESPN. All right, Key, your old squad, the Jets. Harbaugh committed to Michigan. Sam Darnold saying he is committed to the Jets. Obviously, we know they're the league's only winless team. They're in pole position to draft. Number one overall could go with Lawrence or Justin Fields to replace Sam Darnold. But he would say that's a mistake because I don't want to go anywhere. Do you want to be back here with the Jets next year? and, and Or do you think maybe sometimes a change of scenery might help? No, I love it here. I love the people around here. I love living here. So, you know, I've always said it. I want to be a Jet for life. Uh, but again, you know, that decision's not necessarily up to me. So, um, but that's how I feel. Key, I wouldn't say it's necessarily not up to him. It's definitely not up to him, Piers, at this point. What do you make of it? It's not up to him. That, 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 that's true. It's up to Joe Douglas and in the Jets organization to make a decision on what they want to do when they get that pick is quarterbacks that potentially could be on the board. If they get the number one overall guy, we know there's going to be quarterbacks on the board. So he wants to play here. We all recognize that the Jets, the coaching staff is horrible. The organization is in flux right now. And, you know, I feel bad for the young man. He may not get the opportunity to live that uh, New York jet life for the next 10 years of his career. I like the comment, though, and I like the fact that he tries to endear himself to Jets fans, try to build some social capital with them by saying, hey, I, I want to be here. That's what, that's what fans want to hear, right? They want you to want to be a part of that organization. Unfortunately, I just don't think it's going to work out that way. They continue to lose games, and Trevor Lawrence will be sitting there like a, like a shiny present waiting on Christmas Day. Hey, Jay, let me ask you this. This week, the Jets are in a situation where they're taking on the Rams. I know you love the numbers. Why don't you take a, just, just take a guess. Put Vegas Jay cap on. What do you think the number is for the Jets and the Rams? How much do you think the Rams are favored by this Sunday? And Key, take a stab at it, too. Uh, I'll take the Rams by two touchdowns. Key? Minus 14. The Rams are favored by 21. Split the difference, fellas. 17. Mm, The Rams are a 17-point favorite here. Key, from what you think and what you know from those you talk to inside the Jets organization, um, what do you need to see here from Darnold the rest of the way, understanding that obviously this year was marred by some injury for him, and really he hasn't got too much of a complete sample size in any year that he's played, whether it's been the mono, whether it's been injuries. What do we kind of see the rest of the way, knowing that in some ways the season for the rest of the group is shot? You know, it, it's interesting because never, I'm never one that, that, 
you know, throw out, oh, I talked to so-and-so, and and that's just not my deal. Who I have conversations with is that's for me to hold. I don't don't need to validate those sort of relationships. But what I would say is in the past when I've heard things from people that I know, it's they're 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 kind of caught in in the middle here because they really like Sam and they like his ability and they like what it could be, but at the same time, if they have a pick that this quarterback that everybody is in Trevor Lawrence is saying it's going to be a life changer, you you kind of face with the same situation with Sam. There's no players around him. There's no players around Trevor. Then you factor in long-term economics that you would have to commit to Sam at some point in time if you pass on Trevor. If you trade the pick, you stuck with Sam. But then if it doesn't work out for Sam, now you got to replace Sam with a quarterback when you had Trevor sitting there. So it's kind of like they're all kind of trying to see how these things unfold over the next several games, just how he plays so his value on the trade market will be significantly higher than what it is right now. So they want their cake and to be able to eat it too. And Zubin, I think it all depends upon who you bring in to be the next head coach after Adam Gase is gone. If that's a guy like Bill Cowher, maybe he decides to keep Sam Darnold. But if it's a guy like Eric Bieniemy, um, maybe he decides to go with the Trevor Lawrence because he feels like he wants to build the organization around somebody with more of an offensive fire punch um, that doesn't have a chance to, I guess, be held down due to the way the organization has led Sam Darnold over the last couple of years. That's fair. You're talking about a guy that retired one year after winning a Super Bowl and the hottest assistant on the market. You would think that if both of those were going to jump in, they might jump in for better opportunities. But control is a very important thing. On the way, A-Rod's best season ever, his Super Bowl winning teammate weighs in. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast.